0: Yeah, I had to draw. Yeah, uh, I drew a chart yesterday, which is never a good sign.
1: (laughs) Not a good sign. Really bad (laughs) sign. Yeah, you know things are going downhill (laughs) when Gordon is drawing graphs. Yeah.
0: Friday September the 30th uh, we've made it somehow to the end of September and this <laughs> is the Dutch News podcast your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands I'm Gordon Darach Dutch News contributing editor and goalpost shifter and with me today is Bal Peters master student in civil engineering and royal coronation advisor
1: Royal coronation advisor.
0: Well, you
1: I, I still have my driver's
0: license. Exactly. Him. See, there's a vacancy for somebody with a driver's license. So, <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was it. You, I was assuming that you'd already applied for the role. Applied. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a royal duke, so no, I'm not entitled ah. to, uh, to, uh, to 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 uh, to yeah fill in the vacancy of uh, the Duke of Norfolk, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the Duke is. of Norfolk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Shanks yeah, you
0: yeah. get a nice house. Uh, is it Arundel right. Palace? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, he uh, he was driving through London uh, using his cell phone, so he yeah. was he was pulled over. Uh, he was fined, and uh, I believe in the UK you have a sort of credit system or, yes. or something. Yes, a point so system basically. A point yeah, you get system. Penalty points system. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. He, he surpassed the the, the, the limit, I yeah. guess. So uh, his uh, his driver's license was uh, taken in. He's not allowed to drive anymore. But uh, he um, uh, fought that decision uh, in court. Mm. Uh, his, his lawyer argued in in, uh, uh, in court uh, ironically that he needs to stay mobile um, because he has a coronation to uh, organize <laughs> um, which is fair, but which is fair, uh,
0: yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I've, I've, it'd be great if the court has said, yeah, I've heard that
1: one before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have been interesting. Yeah, I don't think there was a. Le- I hope there's not a legal precedent for this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he had uh, he had some trouble uh, uh, doing his uh, yeah ancestral duties I guess because yeah yeah, my favourite character in The Crown Tommy Lessall uh, always says that uh, uh, arranging coronations is what the Norfolks do so um,
0: yeah yeah Yeah, this reminds me very very vaguely of um, the uh, the story years ago of the Bishop of Southwark who was um, caught in the uh, uh, yeah, who, who, who was arrested by the police like chucking he, 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 was, he was going around I think in a chauffeur driven limousine like sort of chucking things out the window he was completely ah. he, 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 yeah he, he was drunk basically he was completely off his head and when the police stopped him he said I'm the Bishop of Southwark this is what I do <laughs> I'd love to think when <laughs> the Duke of Norfolk said that as well you know when he was yeah. his cell phone I'm the Duke of Norfolk this is what I do who who, who apparently
1: doesn't have a chauffeur's car Uh <laughs> which uh, kind of surprised well, no, he me w- he honest.
0: won't do obviously because uh, otherwise it would be yeah. a problem
1: yeah he does have a very a, a, a nice castle yeah uh, Arundel castle it is yeah yeah kind of kind of resembles windsor it's only uh, five years older uh, younger than than windsor castle so uh, yeah. yeah pretty nice i thought you were going to talk about the royal cypher uh, the tudor crown and the well, we can also uh, talk about I the tudor
0: crown yes because i saw you pick that up yeah yeah, yeah. because uh, mm-hmm.
1: the the the, the new royal cipher of um, uh, the King Charles was released and uh, instead of his Instead of the Saint Edward's crown, which his mother used, he decided to use the Tudor crown, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. It's uh, it, it got lost after the previous uh, King Charles the first um, uh, was decapitated. <laughs> so I don't know why he he insists on using that crown and 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 um, it's a bit uh, ominous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and 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 you think he would dissociate himself, try to dissociate himself from 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 his predecessor that got decapitated but apparently he he didn't and then i looked into the uh, tudor crown and apparently it was used until elizabeth uh uh, became queen in 1952 Uh, and it turns out that there are uh, a number of uh, dutch royal air force squadrons who use the tudor crown in their ambulance right that is because they started um during the second world war ah in England uh, yes. as a part of the Royal Air Force yeah. and uh, after the war they were transferred to uh, to the Dutch Royal Air Force and um, yeah, because their uh, because their emblems were established by King George VI the yeah. uh, they, they still use his old crown so th- I thought that was a nice at, at least we have a link to the Netherlands now in this <laughs> in yeah this exactly yeah, we have
0: finally we d- d- dragged this discussion back to the Netherlands yeah Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah but, but I always enjoy your kind of uh, uh, in- interest in British heraldry and uh, uh royalty and symbolism given that I have almost no interest in it at all (laughs) so I'm always learning stuff about
1: my own royal family Um. um And uh, let's see what was your job title about uh, goalpost shifter? Yeah, it, it seems that you've been lying about your inches, Gordon. What's that? Yeah, about? yeah,
0: but I've, I've been uh, yeah, I've been selling myself short. In fact, actually, <laughs> cause, uh, this is um, yes, a, a very strange uh, thing that happened uh, when uh, Ajax played Arsenal in the Champions League um, in the Women's Champions League, um, and they played it there. They didn't play it in the arena. They played it at uh, another. Um, smaller uh, stadium um, and uh, for the, 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 the the Arsenal's head coach discovered that um, there's a slight problem with the setup for the pitch uh, because actually the goalposts <laughs> were 10 centimeters too short they were <laughs> they didn't meet the regulation standards so i don't know why ajax were uh, playing with um, regular um, uh, irregular goalposts and they noticed it yeah. as well i think because the goalpost wasn't actually a proper rectangle so the goal mouth wasn't a proper rectangle it was uneven
1: so oh, if, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they had a look at this. So something's not quite right here. And then they actually measured it up, and they found the goal. Yeah, the goal was too narrow. So, they so had to-
1: I I dislike football um, yeah. for a, a, a number of reasons, but one of them is also because uh, the rules are, uh, um, in my opinion, made. Um, um, uh, 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 as vague as possible in yeah. order to uh, <laughs> to stir up as much as uh, discussion as possible because yeah that's the only thing people want to talk about is this is it offside is it not yeah. uh, and then the reluctance to uh, to install technology that you know measures these things because you know what's you can just look at the camera and then apparently the, it, it that causes a lot of um, Uh, A lot of uh, controversy. A lot of anger, yeah. A lot of anger as well. I mean, uh, tennis, they they use the Hawkeye system for how many years now? They have 10 cameras around the field, and whenever someone questions if if a ball is out or not, they just uh, 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 use that technology to determine if it's the case or not. But also what er, er, really (laughs) annoys me is that um, also the the, uh, dimensions of a football field, of a pitch field, um, they, they are not... Um how do you say that? Uh they're not standardized, no. No, they're not standardized no, no, like no. at all. They it's it's a, it's a range that is allowed and yeah. that's also yeah. the case for the for the for the goal, I believe. No, uh, not for the
0: goal See, that's not, no, no that's not true for the goal. The goal has it has oh? to be a set width.
1: No. Ah, okay. So the ball is it's, uh,
0: But it was originally, um, it, it was all uh, uh, done in, uh, in, in, in. Um, yeah, well, the, the rules are first codified in in England, um, so not surprising they're an absolute disaster. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but, but it's all in feet and inches. So the goal is supposed to be eight foot high, which is two meters forty four. Um, ah. And uh, twenty foot wide, I think. I can't remember off the top of my head what that is, but yeah. But then that might be that might be the reason that uh, they they got the, the goals the wrong size. But generally think, speaking, you think if there's only one standard size professional goal, surely that is the only size you would order. Why would you have a goal on in your yeah. stadium that's just slightly smaller?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, that that's that's a real mystery. Yeah. yeah. We need to move on. I we think. do.
0: We need to move on from football fields. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, you were, Actually, yeah, so, so to wrap it up, Ajax's um, uh, football goals are too small, so they had to. Um, I don't know exactly what they did, actually. They must have fetched some other goals from somewhere else. And eventually yeah, hopefully they, they had they, some. Uh, they, yeah, they, they, they fixed it and they, they played the match. And Ajax hmm. uh, lost 1 0, so they're out of the Champions okay. League. So they won't have that problem again this season. <laughs> well, exactly.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that brings us to uh, the op of the week. Uh, it comes from RTL uh, News this time, uh, because based on data from Flight Radar 24, the news broadcaster found out that 9% of all flights to and from the Netherlands in 2022 are what they call. Ultra short uh, or less than 200 kilometers. Uh, the most popular route is Amsterdam Antwerp, which is only 144 kilometers, followed by Amsterdam Rotterdam, which is only 52 kilometers. Yeah.
0: Uh, are the Belgian roads so bad that you can only get there by plane? Is this a problem? Uh,
1: I think that's the problem, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to go to Antwerp, you have to go uh, through the air. Yeah. Um, you can't blame anyone, I think. No. Um, most of these flights are carried out by private jets, but one aircraft in particular caught the attention of ETL. That's an aircraft with the call sign PHGov, mm. and that is the plane of the Dutch government. On 26 occasions, the PH Gulf flew empty from Amsterdam, where it is based, to Rotterdam to pick up a minister, after which it continued its flight to the final destination. A second plane, owned by the government, a Gulfstream, is based in Eindhoven, and this one also flies regularly empty to Rotterdam or Amsterdam. Experts calculated that a flight from Amsterdam to Rotterdam costs between 1,000 and 1,200 litres of kerosene, while it only saves 20 minutes by car for ministers to drive from The Hague to Rotterdam instead of Schiphol. Uh, the news enraged people on the internet especially environmentalists uh, uh, Rutte's fourth cabinet describes itself as the most green cabinet ever right? so uh, mm. uh, um, uh, uh, you would think uh, it is, they, they would prefer to drive 20 minutes further to Schiphol uh, than, than using 1200 litres of kerosene yeah. um, the defence ministry which operates the government's planes uh, told RTL News that ministers have a functional relationship with The Hague and that the plane will simply pick them up where their schedule allows it Right. Do you know what the uh, uh, what the call sign of the previous government's plane was? Uh, no. PH KBX. P-H-K-B-X.
0: PHKBX. What did that stand for? Koningin
1: and Beatrix. Yeah. And the one before that was uh, KJA, I believe. Mhm. and Juliana. Mm-hmm. And there was also one uh, P B H, yeah, and that was the private plane of Prince Bernard.
0: Right. Why? Why? Um, why did the current king not want to put his name to a plane, or does he have, I don't own, know. Does he have a separate plane?
1: Yeah, and he's the only one who flies. As uh, I was saying, yeah,
0: he's the only one who can actually pilot a plane. Yeah, and exactly. Yet, yeah, you'd have thought. No, to,
1: when he, they announced the new the new name, I was I was kind of disappointed with the new uh, the new name. Yeah, P H Gov. It's uh, it it it, it kind of sounds like a, a boring government website, right? Yeah. Um. And yeah i was a little bit disappointed it sounds like
0: a name that. that steph block would come up with yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly maybe they did it's also very gray so maybe maybe he, uh, yeah. he was in charge of also exactly. choosing the color of the We're, plane yeah, yeah who knows um yeah there was uh there is this twitter uh account called where is the ph gov right. uh, uh, that uh, a bot that uh, follows uh follows where the plane goes and when it takes off um and where it is and it, i was kind of i followed it recently and i was kind of surprised how often uh, the government uses that plane i thought they might use it only once or twice a month but but it's on, it's almost flying uh, the entire week uh to nice. to, uh, to various destinations yeah. yeah um so i was kind of surprised to see that yeah
0: oh, yeah i guess there's always a minister going off to a conference or somewhere there's there's lots of dates in the diary that we don't that don't make the news but there are
1: yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, also uh, w- w- what also causes uh, a number of these empty flights is uh, is the fact that uh, very often ministers need to use the plane uh, simultaneously. So uh, oh, yeah. they bring a minister to I don't know uh, Israel or something, and then it flies back to 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 the Netherlands to exactly, pick up yeah. uh, Steph Block to bring him to uh, a very boring destination. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, L- uh, Luxembourg. Liverpool. Yeah. Um, Liverpool is a good place. Not oh, well, here. the
1: greyest city in the UK. I don't know. Um yeah, I don't know, and, and, and Slough or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, perhaps. And yeah. then it needs to fly back to Israel uh, to pick it up. And yeah, yeah it's this. Uh, so uh, yeah, and perhaps we do better to have more than one one plane, I don't <laughs> think anyone will uh, will agree with uh, with that.
0: No. <coughs> yeah, and if you if you have more than one government plane flying from skiphol then there'd be even more chaos. I mean, you know, yeah, would no right, yeah. yeah, yeah. if, if, if It wouldn't be able to serve any passenger planes at all. <laughs> that's right.
1: We need to avoid
0: that. Yeah. This week, as the nights get colder and darker, energy bills go up, mortgage limits come down, and coronavirus quietly sneaks in the back door while Yap Van Dissel isn't looking. <laughs> Wages are going up too, as there's a shortage of full-time jobs, which is somehow the fault of part-time women. Cadilla Ariben Ferrebergamp certainly haven't been clocking off early to cook dinner for the kids as a huge row breaks out between the former and current chairwomen of parliament, and a hotel room dust up on the other side of the world costs a Dutch cyclist his place in the world road race championships.
1: Does this have to do with another seagull?
0: No, no no no, this is something else. No, this is to do with
1: uh the maiden. Okay, yeah. All be revealed. Stay tuned. Wage deals finished in September included an average pay rise of almost 5%, which is the highest figure since the end of the 1970s. Employers are prepared to increase wages across all sectors due to the tight labor market and in order to keep their workers, Uh, while other reasons are high inflation numbers and economic growth. In total, 237 pay and condition agreements, or CAOs in Dutch, have been signed so far this year, covering 2.8 million workers. A number of major deals still need to be finalized, for example, local government workers, staffing agencies, retail sector, and childcare. The financial benefits of the pay rises will be very limited, though, because inflation in September this year has risen 17.1% compared to 2021 wow. according yeah it's it's a new record it is uh, but
0: and by by distance as well i mean yeah
1: we've, exactly yeah. yeah the previous record was uh, last month yeah. uh, when inflation was 13.7% yeah. uh, com- and this is compared to uh, the same month in two- 2021 yeah. not the not the So it hasn't gone up by 17% since,
0: September, since since August uh, yeah since August noticed, yeah, which that.
1: Which, when I saw the push message by uh, of the NOS this morning at uh, at uh, seven o'clock, I thought they meant that, uh, but luckily they, uh, they that isn't the case. Yes. Um, The high inflation rate is mostly due to high energy prices, of course, uh, which account for 60% uh, this month. Uh, And the influence of energy prices was 72% in March. So, yeah, the the influence of of, of the actual energy prices is uh, declining. But, uh, yeah, we see a spillover effect, right? Because uh, products that are produced uh, uh, previously are now uh, more expensive because of... uh, uh, high energy prices back then
0: yeah the rising value and of course uh, actual energy prices are going up because uh, we mentioned last week that uh, um, the, the, the energy companies at the moment are, are changing their rates for for your gas and electricity every three months and a new rate comes in for a lot of customers on the 1st of October so, but of course, it's, yes, it's, uh, and that that hasn't been factored in, of course, because these were September's no. figures, right? That's yeah. right. But yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, and the, the, there was a little bit of half uh, because energy firms, uh, yeah, such as Ineco and Green Choice, they uh, they uh, wanted to increase their their energy prices from October first, even mm-hmm. though uh, that that was uh, breaking regulations. They had yeah. to um, uh, th- uh, they had to factor in uh, at least thirty days warning uh, before they were going to do that, yeah. uh, which they neglected. This sparked the anger of. Uh, of uh, energy minister Ropiette they he, they he basically ordered them to <laughs> to stop doing this because, yeah. you know, it's against the law. Yes, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's
0: a, small, a small thing, yeah.
1: It's a small thing, but yeah. they, uh, they decided to ignore that uh, altogether and, yeah. Uh, yeah, Rupieta pressed them even harder and now, um, luckily, they have uh, decided to uh, to um, uh, increase their prices uh, after a 30-day peri- uh, uh, notice. 30-day period, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I think, um, yeah. And originally, the MG company said, well, it's not actually written into the law, it's just a guideline, it's not 30-day limit, and the RCM, um, the, 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 um, uh, the, the competition um, regulator, said, no, it's quite clearly in the law. 30 days <laughs> is your time limit, and you haven't uh, adhere to it, so you're breaking the law. It, it was as clear as mud. Um, and, of course, yeah, it makes so a th- difference because the price cap doesn't come in until the 1st of November. So if prices go up in October, people yeah. are going to have to pay the full market rate for a month before they get the benefits of the price cap
1: that's right yeah. yeah so now the prices will grow up on november 7th rather than october 1st yeah uh, so um yeah, yeah that's Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, I, guess, I guess the, the knock-on
0: effect of that is that um they'll probably have to put the prices up by more by higher than they would have done otherwise but because the caps coming in the government will now pay more towards people's energy bills than they otherwise would have done so yeah uh, it'll yeah. all come back to the taxpayers ultimately and this calls on people to uh, start working more hours as well as if uh, life wasn't challenging
1: enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the entire economy is, is yeah, suffering from an enormous chef's staff shortage. Um, I think everyone uh, will, will have noticed that by now. Mm. Uh, Ingrid Thijssen, she's the chairwoman of the Netherlands' biggest employees organization, VNO-NCW. She said that it's time for urgent action and people should be encouraged to work more hours. Um, increasing wages would be one thing, but the government has to make sure that working more means more money as well. Werken moet lonen. Uh, as the VVD would say. Um, because currently many people won't financially benefit from working more because a rise in income would mean a loss of certain government-granted benefits. And that can account for hundreds of euros a month. Yeah. And the Telegraph had calculated that in a worst-case scenario, someone who adds a 1,000 euros to their monthly salary only actually benefits 130 euro in spending power. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's. Uh, it also shows that um, you know the toeslager system. We talked about it many times in the on the podcast. Yeah, it is meant to to help people, but it can o- can also mean that people will lose money if they work more. So yeah, yeah. why would you why would you do that? Uh, uh, why would you start working uh, full time if if it would mean? Uh, you lose money. Yeah, or, exactly. Uh, and, uh, or
0: and the yeah you know, the, the 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 um the the two t- that uh, takes up the biggest share is it's childcare costs. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, you, you, so so you lose. Yeah, if you work more hours when you're already busy enough looking after a family, if, if, uh, running a household, uh, um, uh, keeping your family going, um, and then you're asked to uh, add another couple three or four hours to your working week. Um, so so you add to the workload, and yet you don't actually benefit financially. You wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't. No. So it's no um, surprise, yeah. And that, of course, brings us around to the one group that, as ever, is always um, being described as an untapped working force or a bunch of layabouts. Take your pick. And uh, <laughs> who would that be? The Dutch? <laughs> well, yes. Let's not, go full ask, uh, Let's not go uh, full bank codes. codes here.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. Yes, because almost 75% of women in the Netherlands do not work full time. They have an average work week of only 26 hours, and that's the lowest number in Europe. If these women work more, it would help solve the shortage of labor, including healthcare uh, and education. These are sectors where which employ uh, mostly women. Yeah. Uh, that's what the uh, uh, social economic think tank uh, SAP says. Um, however, their investigation also showed that women typically cut back on their hours when they have children, uh, and but they. They will not return to a full-time job after uh, their children have grown up. Yeah. Half of the women are increasing their hours again once their children require less looking after, but only one-third worked as much as they did before. Um, again, it can. this often has to do with what we just talked about, the toeslagen system, which... Yeah. Means that if you work more, then you lo- basically lose money or only uh, w- uh, only, uh, only end up with such a sl- uh, such a low number of extra money that it isn't worth uh, uh, doing it
0: yeah yeah but and again and, but, but it, they also introduce this very strange uh, this new brand new idea to me, which is that um, once your children hit the age of twelve, they don't need any looking after at all. <laughs> Apparently, because uh, anyone who's had actually uh, raised or is raising teenagers will tell you that actually the amount of time you spend. Uh, driving them to and from clubs or going out <laughs> looking for them because they're out in the streets with their mates uh, or, or, or whatever. Yeah, actually, it's just as just as time-consuming as when they were small and you had to help them with their homework and putting their clothes on. So, yeah, Isn't the
1: a, age of 12 uh, also that time that we start dropping them in, uh, in, in start forest? Start dropping in the woods, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be yeah, more yeah.
0: dropping. There needs to be a national dropping campaign. We need to bring back dropping to, yeah, s- to solve exactly, it, so yeah. the parents can... The, can b- b- the parents can go out to work more while their children are trying to find their way back from uh, the, along the dunes uh, in, in vasana that that, that but, will solve the labor crisis definitely but it's not weird a, i think we, have, we basically have a cabinet of people who are either non-parents like mark Ritter, or people who became <laughs> parents very late so they still have young children and there's nobody in the cabinet who has teenagers who can actually relate this idea that 12 year olds need 13 no, year olds need no looking after to real life that's my that's my conclusion
1: Hugo de Jonge has teenage children, but yeah, given how, you know, he has been dealing (laughs) his ministries, I don't think he is actually taking care of his children very well. Mm. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I wanted to say there's also a Twitter account called uh, The Worst uh, New York Times pitches. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the thing you just said is uh, <coughs> something that could be included on that account as well. Yeah. Speaking of ministers, they are currently drawing up plans to give people who start working full-time a bonus. Uh, the details of these plans are still unknown. The cabinet also uh, plans to make child daycare uh, almost entirely free, right? Mm. Uh, the, 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 the cost will be covered 95% uh, by the government. So uh, that's according to the two plans in the in the... Uh, coalition agreement, but that still has to be worked out. Um, Just to say how uh, tight the labour market uh, right now is, in August there were 143 vacancies for every 100 people classified as um, unemployed.
0: Yeah, although I mean I have noticed that unemployment has started going up again the last couple of months, so perhaps this is a problem that will fix itself in short order, (laughs) thanks to the recession. Exactly. Yeah. Remember the days of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, which is over now, Joe Biden said so, Um, but the days when bars and restaurants were closed, you had to go to a theatre to get your hair cut and nobody could travel anywhere? Well, the dismal distant days of seven months ago could return this autumn, after the public health agency, RIVM, said this week that infections were rising. And the numbers from hospital patients have backed them up. This week there was a 40% increase to 568, which is the highest level since the start of August. And at that rate, cases will double again in the next two weeks. The encouraging thing here is that there are fewer people in intensive care, which is only 5% of the total compared to 30-40% to 40% a year ago during the Delta wave. Um, and an autumn round of booster vaccines has begun, though at the moment it's only for people born in 1950 or earlier, or if you're eligible um, through because you have an uh, underlying health condition. The problem is that the numbers have started rising three weeks earlier than last year, there are more patients in hospital than at the end of last September, and the government doesn't have the authority to reintroduce social distancing rules because um, it's made oh. a complete horse's ass of getting its bill through Parliament.
1: That's right. So yeah. uh, what are the government's advisors saying right now that uh, they should do?
0: Uh, nothing. Everything's fine. <laughs> just, just sit it out because it's not like the healthcare system's been in crisis for the last two autumns. Uh, Marianne Kopmans, a member of the now disbanded outbreak management team, has said Norton Wave is highly likely and the Dutch healthcare care system isn't organised in such a way as to provide large numbers of reserve beds. Uh, Jolanda Sup, the head of the new social impact team, this is kind of the new team that looks at uh, the wider kind of uh, yeah, um, uh, effects of... Um, um, of social controls um, on things like people's mental health uh, she said she was worried the government was not prepared for worst case scenarios um, but uh, Jav van Dissel uh, the FAM's head of infectious disease control who's uh, set for another eventful autumn on Twitter I think uh, <laughs> said he, the rises in infections in the last two weeks were relatively modest and most people have mild symptoms and the impact on wider society is limited um, this kind of uh, gives me flashbacks to last year when uh, th- they said, "Is everything's fine?" Because hospital, uh, hospitals are empty; there aren't too many patients. And then uh, ten weeks later, we were in lockdown. So
1: yeah.
0: uh, let's uh, see what happens. The IVM has promised to keep a close eye on the situation. So that's that's all right, isn't it? That's okay. They're they're, they're, so, they're, 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 they're watching the tide rising. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, but that means that we're not going into lockdown,
0: right? Um, Well, we shouldn't be. Um, But then we shouldn't have done last December either, um, if uh, the government responded (laughs) in time to the Delta wave, which peaked just as Omicron um, reared its head. Um, But yeah, um, last year, the numbers of people in hospitals started rising again at the start of October, and we had a full lockdown 10 weeks later. And this year, we're, we're three weeks ahead of that schedule. Um the only saving grace is that we don't have such high numbers in intensive care. So it's not inevitable there'll be another lockdown, but um, the, the one sure way to make sure you do get one is to do absolutely nothing until it's far too late. Um, so it's a mystery, really, why we're not talking already about low-cost things like wearing face masks and social distancing. Uh, before we have to do much more serious things like closing shops, um, you know, uh, we keep hearing this thing about learning to live with COVID. But that means recognising that uh, we learn to live with a disease that kills vulnerable people and leaves others, um, including people who were healthy before, with debilitating, long-term and life-limiting conditions.
1: Yeah, and you see that especially uh, on the healthcare workers, right, who, uh, who suffer from long COVID. Uh, yeah. And now they're going to be a payout for healthcare workers uh, suffering from that, right?
0: Yeah, the government's got this plan to pay staff who are infected in the first wave in 2020 15,000 euros each. Um, but it's an ex-gratia payment, so it's not compensation or an admission of liability or anything messy like that. Um, it's a, j- j- just a goodwill gesture, um, which is a phrase we've heard a bit this year. Um Care Minister Connie Helder called it a recognition of the suffering that nurses and other staff have experienced, and the Cabinet has asked the Council of State to rule on whether it would be acceptable in law, and if it would set a precedent, because uh, it would be terrible to think they'd have to pay out even to even more people who are suffering from long Covid. Uh, the measure would also have to be approved by Parliament, but I think it's no secret. This is a kind of a way of trying to stave off a campaign by the two trade unions, FNFE and CNFE to claim for actual compensation yeah. for affected health workers through the courts. Um, so it's kind of an offer to say, uh, "Here's some money to, uh, so that you don't sue us for even more money."
1: Some hush money.
0: Yeah, basically. Um, some
1: Trump porn star money.
0: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the, 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 the liability issue is really a thing when you remember that in the early months of the pandemic, hospital staff were actually encouraged to go to work in hospitals even though there wasn't adequate uh, protective equipment for them because otherwise uh, there was nobody to look after the coronavirus patients and the whole thing would have uh, would have crashed Um, yeah
1: so Um, and what was the uh, response of the unions uh, on this news Uh, the two trade unions have said uh, the payout is too little too
0: late and the government breached world health organization guidelines on safety at work so yeah, they're not—they're pretty underwhelmed, I think you have to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the unemployment agency Uvefe—they say 600 healthcare workers have been declared unfit because of long COVID symptoms, and another 1,000 risk losing their jobs because they've been on sick leave for two years, which is the point at which you can actually be dismissed for being mm-hmm. for, um, for not returning to work. Yeah. The unions say some five and a half thousand frontline workers are still suffering from COVID symptoms after being infected during the first wave.
1: And now to the news that is slowly turning into the biggest political scandal of this year, the clash of the chairs. On Wednesday, NRC newspaper reported that the Tweede Kamer chair Vera Bergkamp started an investigation into claims that her predecessor, Kertisha Arib, created an unsafe working environment. The parliamentary presidium received two anonymous letters from staff members about Arieb, who served as chair from 2016 to 2021. They accused her of abuse of power and a reign of terror. According to NSA the recent appointment of Arip as chair of the parliamentary inquiry commission for the corona pandemic uh, prompted one of them to send the letter after Arip's reign of terror many had hoped she would remain on the sidelines where she could no longer damage public servants the letter read her appointment uh, as an uh, uh, as the chair of this uh, parliamentary inquiry commission means that she would, will will uh, have to deal with public servants uh, again yeah. uh, as she did when uh, when she was uh, when uh, when she was the chair um, the investigation was opened after the Presidium requested advice from the government's legal advisor, who said the accusations in the two letters fit a pattern. The letters describe detailed and concrete signals of a possibly unsafe working environment and other complaints of unwanted behavior from 23 other staff members over a period of three and a half years gives the Trader Kamer an urgent obligation to open an investigation, the legal advisor wrote. It is the first time an investigation has started into the Tweede Kamer chair, a decision made unanimously by the entire Presidium of the Tweede Kamer.
0: Yeah, so yeah, some pretty serious uh, allegations and 23 staff members uh, making, suggest that this isn't just um, uh, a witch hunt um, by, by one or two uh, selected uh, MPs, but how did Arrib respond?
1: Furious to say the least, Uh, immediately after NSA published the article she wrote on Twitter that the investigation is another political stab in the back. Uh, She referred to a similar article in RTL News uh, last year around the time Vera Bergkamp won the chair election from Arieb. Uh, She complained she was informed of the investigation by the media and demanded an explanation from Bergkamp. Uh, She accused her of creating an unsafe working environment herself and she added that she will not cooperate with the investigation. Bergkamp told journalists she regrets the advice was leaked to NSA but emphasized the decision to open investigation wasn't taken lightly and that the Presidium has an obligation to take the signals seriously. Also interesting, PvdA MP Naibu, who is of the same party as Arib, mm. uh and also sits in the presidium, said the accusations were so serious that he had no other choice than to vote in favor of the investigation.
0: Yeah, but there have been some suggestions that the timing of this investigation is uh, yeah, it's a little bit suspicious, maybe.
1: That's right, because Vera Bergkamp, uh, the, the the current chair, has recently come increasingly on the fire from MPs, journalists and uh, the public and political commentators as well. They feel that she uh, is unable to maintain order in the Tweede Kamer debates and uh, yeah, she can't keep MPs, especially from PVV and FvD, under control. They also bring forward the suggestion that Bergkamp wasn't elected as chair last year because of her capabilities, but because of a deal struck between Dezesse sister, which is the party of Bergkamp, and uh, the VVD. Uh, Sigrid Kaag supposedly promised Mark Rutte not to vote for a motion of no confidence against him in exchange for the VVD to vote for Bergkamp in the upcoming chair election. It's also what always um, uh, 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 makes me wonder what exactly uh, Dezesse sister won from here, because The Tweede Kamer chair isn't as powerful as people uh, seem to think. Um, uh, The chair uh especially if you compare that to, to for example the united states or the united kingdom yeah. uh the the chair in the netherlands doesn't have the power to uh, bring mo- uh, to block uh, votes or to bring push votes forward uh um, um, she doesn't have any 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 sorts of these uh uh, uh, uh powers so yes yeah, she can't influence uh policy or decision making uh, in that regard yeah um, it is said that the investigation into arip which is which has come uh, in, uh, into light right now, is meant to damage her and to prevent her possible reinstallation as chair. Because a lot of people are calling, uh, because of because their criticism on Vera Bergam, they are saying they miss the times when arip was chair and they call her to be to to come back basically. Mm. Uh, and it's now suggested that this investigation is uh, yeah meant to block uh, this from happening. Uh, but yeah, these people seem to forget that the decision wasn't made by Bergkamp personally, but by the entire presidium, yeah, which um, includes, which, uh, uh, the, yeah. includes uh, one of her own party members and seven other MPs. It has to be said that the, the, the Tweede Kamer chair, uh, we, we, we only see her in action when she leads debates, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, she has another role, and that is also leading um, the entire parliamentary apparatus i guess Uh, over 600 people apart from mps and their personal staff work in the tweede Kamer. so it's it's quite a a huge uh, enterprise and uh, she's also the director of that uh, part of 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 politics i guess so yeah yeah, a lot of lot of people who just uh, work in the tweede Kamer building as stenographers as yeah you name it um they have the chair as their leader as well as their director basically so yeah it is very worrying that 23 of them over a period of of three and a half years have come forward and complained about her and uh, these two anonymous letters um come on top of that yeah which weren't just you know uh uh random anonymous letters but apparently very detailed and with very uh, concrete accusations so yeah i guess uh, there are a lot of people who are sympathetic with arip because of the way she uh, uh, led debates and uh, um, but yeah we don't know how she was uh, you know uh, uh, in the background uh, behind the scenes i guess yeah. uh we we shouldn't base um uh yeah, we shouldn't make any conclusions right now because we don't know what happened and the investigation hasn't even started yet. Yeah. A lot of people seem to have concluded that Arip can't possibly, uh, these, these allegations can possibly be true because they like Arip uh, as how she was uh, as chair uh, in the plenary chamber. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's. Um, yeah, that's kind of dangerous to 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 base your judgment on that.
0: Yeah, I guess there are parallels here in a way with um, uh, the allegations that were against the, the the speaker in the UK in the, in the British Parliament, uh, John Bercow, yeah. where he was accused of bullying and all that was things that went on behind the scenes in backroom offices. You know, it wasn't really to do with how he conducted himself in the chamber. Um, so yeah, the, the and now
1: and he is he is banned from from Parliament for his, for the rest of his life, right? Yes, because exactly. Of, uh, because of this, yeah. Yeah,
0: because he was so. Yeah, we'll have to see what comes out of it. But it, it does seem to have quickly um, filter distilled down into a kind of two camps: as a Bergkamp camp camp. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunate, isn't it? And, uh, and an arib camp. And, uh, d- d- yeah. d- and there seems to be a lot of furious briefing, counter-briefing going on. there's the sort a of tone that seemed to be struck, though, when, in all the commentators who uh, who covered the story in the media was that there'd been whisperings about Arib and people being unhappy with the way she conducts business and handles things for some time. And it was all now coming to light um, so I guess the, 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 the investigation will will, will will show how much of that is substantiated and how much of it is it, it's just plain rumor
1: yeah and uh, the, it's also worrying that uh, a former chair who also did a lot of investigations into questionable behavior by uh, by her co-workers now mm. is now refusing to cooperate with that as well. I mean, yeah. that's uh, I think that's uh, that's chair unworthy. Uh, if 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 it's true that nothing that she has done nothing wrong, then just cooperate and then you can show that that you didn't do anything wrong, right? But uh, yeah, at least cooperate and uh, clear your name. She seems to um, milk out all the. Uh, 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 the goodwill that she yeah. has as much as possible, but on the other hand, if uh, in a year or two years we 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 there, there was a story where someone uh, uh, who worked for the Tweede Kamer did uh, yeah uh, told her or his or her story um, uh, to 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 a newspaper or anything, and uh, it 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 came out that there were uh, there were all these signs and there were anonymous letters and there were complaints, and uh, Bergkamp had decided to do nothing. Then I think uh, a lot of people seem to have uh, uh uh would be mad about that Should as get well. the neck so for that as well. Yeah. Yeah, As exactly. um um yeah. So uh, it's a, it's a political scandal that is uh, in the making and uh, yeah, we will uh, definitely hear more about that uh in the in the near future. Yeah. It also um uh, there are also a lot of people that are saying that anonymous letters should be disregarded uh, uh that uh, you shouldn't take that seriously. I want to remind you do you remember what the predecessor uh, who how the predecessor of Kadisha Riep came to uh, t- came to her end?
0: Yeah, this was um uh, from Midl- from Miltenburg. Isn't it? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, she he, uh, was, yeah who was also on the was she on the end of some anonymous briefing I seem to
1: she was uh, yeah, uh, yeah. She, she was also not a good uh, not a good uh, uh, chair yeahMP yeah uh, to, uh, to fa- so favor the yeah, yeah. uh, MPs yeah. there was the real reason she had to go but uh, the 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 final straw was that she had um, uh, 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 destroyed an anonymous letter yeah. uh, about the bolers affair ah, yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and she, uh, she, the 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 parliamentary procedure said anonymous letters, uh, yeah, can't be taken into account, should be disregarded immediately. And so she did, uh, but that meant her end. It uh, cost her job. She, yeah, yeah uh, even though she had just followed protocol and uh, and all the rules and regulations. So, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that seems a bizarre argument. I mean, of course, in a closed working environment, especially where you have allegations of bullying and intimidation, you're not just going to stick your name on the bottom of a letter that no. uh, is quite likely going to be seen by the person who you're accusing of um, intimidating you. Inflation, wages and coronavirus cases are all soaring at the minute, and we'd like to follow the trend by growing the number of sponsors on our Patreon page. For as little as a euro or as much as a dollar a month uh, or if you're feeling sarcastic you can give us a pound you can become a supporter (laughs) of the Dutch News Podcast and help us to help you make a little more sense of what's going on in the Netherlands. And as ever we'll give you a shout out to say thanks and if you've got any questions for us we'll do our best to answer them. Well, we'll give you some kind of an answer anyway. Yeah. Um, If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast log on to www.patreon.com that's p a t r e o n dot com slash DutchNewsOnL. I have to say we still haven't had any questions about uh, astrophysics despite your pleas um, <laughs> last week, Paul. So yeah, another shout out, please, for anyone to give us any questions. Was it quantum physics or astrophysics? I can't remember. I,
1: I can not remember. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Any, any, but any, I will answer anything, so it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or buildings.
1: Or buildings yeah. or uh, crowns or yeah. uh, goalposts, uh, whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We cover all topics. And now for a feel-good story. Murder. (laughs) (laughs) People like to complain about the weather, the food, and the terrible radio stations, but there are upsides to living in the Netherlands. It's one of the places in Europe where you're least likely to be murdered. The murder rate is low and stable, according to the latest statistics from the CBS. In total, 126 people were unlawfully killed in 2020, which is five more than the previous year, but half the level of 20 years ago.
1: Hmm.
0: So yeah, so yes, yeah, so, so few people were getting murders, despite the fact that we have all these um, have court cases about uh, gangland killings happening on a daily basis. Actually, uh, overall, the number of people murdered is it, is quite low. Um, Amsterdam and Rotterdam topped the murder league table with 15 killings each. Um, I think the interesting the trend has been that uh, there used to be a lot more murders in Amsterdam, but that's been coming down. Rotterdam has, been kind of have, has gone up a little catching bit. Up. So, okay. yeah, it's catching up. Yes, so. catching up. Uh, and 11 people were murdered in The Hague. Um, 88 men were murdered, which is the highest level for four years, but the number of female victims has fallen to 38. And women were more likely to be murdered as a result of domestic violence, uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, six in ten were killed by a partner, uh, while children under ten were almost invariably murdered by a parent. Now, uh, in Europe, there are only four countries that have lower murder rates in the general population. Um, what? Uh, can you pretend you haven't read the script and tell me what you think? No, they are? I
1: know that. I thought we were we we, we, we were on on the top of the list, but apparently no. not.
0: No, we've been letting ourselves down. Yeah, four, four other European countries.
1: Okay, um, do I have to guess which one these are? Uh, yeah, well, you can do, yeah, have, uh, yeah, I, have ha- a I really haven't uh, read the script, okay. so I have no idea. don't, don't look at it then. I would say, yes, probably a Scandinavian country is there.
0: Y- yes, there is a Scandinavian country.
1: Uh, I'm going to say, uh, from which country are the least uh, crimes uh, series <laughs> coming from? I think Norway.
0: Yes, it's Norway, first Norway. time. Okay. Yeah, And then somewhere else really boring, it's not in Scandinavia. Luxembourg? No, but you, you, you're thinking the right. Uh, okay, the right, the
1: right ca- type of country. Right okay. type of country, yeah. Uh, Luxembourg. No, sorry, I already said that. Uh, Switzerland. Yes, yeah, Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and then yeah, the other uh, two, which might be more
1: surprising, actually. Um, okay.
0: Uh, one in uh, particular will, will will shock you.
1: One in particular will shock you. Yeah, well,
0: well, yeah. Well, yeah. one place where you'd expect a very high murder rate, but actually has a lower murder rate than the Netherlands.
1: That must be Italy. Yes, Italy. Yeah. yeah? Okay, <laughs> yes.
0: great. And finally a country bordering Italy?
1: Yeah, Switzerland we already had. To
0: Switzerland, yeah. Uh, go the other way.
1: O- Austria.
0: No, a bit further.
1: Oh, what? Great. Um uh, one of these uh is it S- uh, Slovenia? Yes, Slovenia. Yeah, yeah Slovenia. Yeah. Okay, great. So Norway, okay.
0: Switzerland, Slovenia, and Italy. I'd say i was surprised that Italy has such a low yeah. murder rate, but uh, obviously yeah. the anti all those those mo- anti mafia laws that um, uh, Dylan Woody- D- Dél- Yasilgis wants to import have obviously <laughs> been having an effect. So
1: yeah. Well, I mean, uh, to be honest, uh, I'm kind of surprised by the low number of murders given how many how much drug criminality we have in this country, right? Yeah, uh, Italy. Has also all all these all these mafia uh, crimes, of course. So maybe that's a good thing for your criminality. Yeah, st- so st- m- st- maybe st- having <laughs> lots of drug dealers
0: in your country actually, yeah, m- makes m- makes the country safer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Ten masterpieces from a prestigious American collection have traveled to The Hague on loan for an exhibition called Manhattan Masters. The Mauritshuis Museum has pulled off an unprecedented loan thanks to a renovation at the Frick Collection in New York. The works will include Rembrandt's self-portrait of 1658, considered to be one of his uh, best self-portraits, alongside Vermeer's Officer and Laughing Girl and Portrait of a Man by Franz Hals. Nine of the works uh, have been uh, have not been shown in Europe since being shipped to America more than a century ago. And the Mauritshuis said it had its pick of the Frick Collection's Dutch paintings in thanks for its 2013 loan to the New York Collection, which included Vermeer's Girl with a Pearl Earring. Mm-hmm. The highlight of the show, which opened earlier this week, is the Rembrandt. The collection was amassed by the American industrialist Henry Clay Frick, born in 1849, who bequeathed his home, paintings and sculptures to the public after his death in 1919. He reportedly thought that the uh, uh, self-portrait of uh, Rembrandt at 52 made Rembrandt look like a king. The Manhattan Masters exhibition runs until January 15.
0: Right, yeah, and it makes him look like a king because the kind of way he's dressed in sort of quite yeah. uh, ornate robes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cause the marriage house already has quite a, um, a handful of Rembrandt self portraits. Uh, it's uh
1: I believe so, yeah. yeah, yeah there's a nice
0: little Easter egg if you go into the Maurits house. Somewhere in the museum, I can't remember exactly where, there's a Rembrandt self-portrait of him. One of his earlier self-portraits a young man on a wall. And if you go through the door and look at the exact same spot on the other side of the wall, it's another self-portrait of Rembrandt as an old man. One of his hmm. last self-portraits. Yeah, so look oh, out, out for that done. in the Maurits yeah. house. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the the House is really one of my favorite uh, museums. I always uh, advise people to go there instead of the Rijksmuseum, which is also yeah. a nice museum, but it's so large that you know at the end of the day uh, you 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 just got too tired and you just <laughs> another Rembrandt, uh, yeah. another Vermeer. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's a little bit too large to my taste, and the Mauritshuis is is a really yeah, uh, it, it's it's not small, but it's it's compact, is, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's compact. Yeah, yeah. and the the level of, of quality paintings they have is yeah. just so enormous. I mean, you just walk from one room with uh, with uh, five Vermeers to another with uh, with uh, six Rembrandts, and yeah, uh, yeah it, it just um, it's it's a very nice museum. It is staggering, it's staggering. Yeah. It's also it's also one of the nicest buildings I think uh, uh, of the Netherlands. The Mauritshuis is really nice. It's mm. beautifully located at the Hofvijver. I was going to say because even
0: just uh, the, the, from inside the building, you do, if you just look out the window, you get a lovely view of the Hofvijver.
1: So yeah, and the, itself is. and the blind walls of the torentje. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you if you uh, pick your window carefully, yeah. uh, so you don't have a chance of uh, of seeing Margreta uh, reading through his papers. Thankfully, but
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thankfully. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mark, uh, to, the, but the fact there's a blind wall means that Mark Rutte forgets that the Morris house is there. So then you start right, he, yeah. when, he, when he's talking about uh, Dutch culture in the torentje, he forgets so he can actually just literally walk across the courtyard and, and fact check his speeches. He, he, <laughs> he was upbraided for that by the director of the Maritz House a couple of uh, uh, last year, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, it's really one of my favorite uh, museums, and um, 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 it, it also has this famous uh, famous painting of a of a bull, right? Yeah, Paul uh, Potter's enor- uh, bull. Yeah. 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 Enormous painting with uh, with uh, with uh, yeah, basically a cow. <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah, yeah, a giant cow. Sports news. Uh, We can hang giant cows, giant orange flags in the streets uh, next summer. We can crack open a can of novelty beer and stick us in a bitter ballon and start a fight in front of a giant screen. Yes, total football is coming home after the Dutch qualified for the final four stage of the UEFA Nations League. Just saying it makes the blood run faster through your veins, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Which is just as well, really, because the Netherlands is also hosting the semi-finals and finals of the prestigious tournament next June. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, great. Yeah. This uh, this tournament that runs from June the fourteenth to the eighteenth. That's how uh, tremendous it is. Um, but they haven't sorted out the venues yet uh, because uh, Amsterdam <laughs> is washing its hair, and, uh, and 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 the Philips Stadium in Eindhoven has also got uh, got a double booking with a, um, I think with it with the Heating Engineers Conference or something, so that, that they can't host the games.
1: Wasn't the Nations League uh, finale last year played in some sort of uh, provincial uh, town stadium in somewhere in the former Yugoslavia. I think you're or thinking something? about
0: the, um, the, the the conference league, which is played oh, okay. in Tirana in Albania. So oh, the, yeah, a, no, yeah. no, no, the Nations League final is always played in one country, in two one or two stadiums in one country. Hmm. So um, I think the first one, when the Dutch got to the final, was in Portugal, and Portugal beat the Netherlands in the final.
1: That's yeah. an ancient tradition isn't it?
0: yes an age old tradition it's the third <laughs> the third edition of the uh, of the, the, the of the historic nations league <laughs> tournament yeah. yeah
1: yeah how did we end up in the in uefa nations league did we did we beat uh, a, a, a a nice country or not?
0: Uh you beat Belgium yes so. <laughs> I'll leave you to to, to be the judge of that, Uh, thanks to a header by Captain Virgil van Dijk, um, in what was frankly a pretty dull game, and coach Louis van Gaal said his team had been outplayed by the Belgians, but he was pleased with their discipline, Um, and uh, they probably flew to the game as well on the government plane, just to Hmm. to, to wind up. (laughs) people up even further um we're missing a couple of key players like Frankie De Jong and Memphis Depay Frankie De Jong has only missed three games since he made his debut four years ago so it's quite a big miss Hmm. um the other teams going through to the uh, will also be in the final four are Croatia Spain and Italy so, all uh, uh, countries that Ewan Dijsselbloem uh, is, uh, is acquainted with. <laughs> yeah, so, m- maybe he'll hand over the trophy. Um, uh, they all won their last. <laughs> Only four-
1: if that trophy is filled with wine, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: they all won their final matches away from home. Um, and in the next uh, Nations League, which I think starts next year, I'm not quite sure, uh, the Dutch could face Scotland because Scotland were promoted from League B while England were relegated um, after finishing bottom of a group containing Italy, Germany, and Hungary. That's all I've got to say about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, League B. Yeah, I really have no idea where this is going, uh, (laughs) (laughs) what we're talking about. But uh, not so good news for Dutch football off the pitch, right? Uh, Well, uh, not for Ajax. They posted their
0: annual financial statements this week and they revealed the club made a €24.3 million loss last season, which is three times as much as they lost the previous year. And is mainly due to the impact of the pandemic, according to financial director Susan Lendoink. Uh, the first half of the season was played in empty stadia because of the lockdown, and the lockdown also depressed the transfer market because the big European clubs were less willing to shell out money for players. Uh, so Ant- Did- Ajax usually do very well in the transfer market because they have this strong scouting and youth development setup. but last year they made a net loss of £19.1 million on players, as well as an operating loss of £7.6 million. Um, And that's very close to the figure that the club um, spent, they spent £7.8 million settling the damages claimed by the family of Apinuri. Who was the wounded midfielder who was left permanently mm. disabled after he collapsed on the pitch during a friendly match five years ago um and the club were yeah the, the, the family held the club liable because the um uh, the first aid uh, didn't get to him in time and he he was starved of oxygen to his brain very sad. Um, and speaking of the youth setup of course I also had to part part company with Mark Overmars um, who did a lot to improve it as a director of football but unfortunately it turned out he'd been sending dick pics to female staff and I don't mean photographs of dick (laughs) Advocat.
1: no Um, oh I forgot about that yeah yeah Um,
0: but Lenderink said Ajax were on course to return positive results this year after qualifying for the Champions League again. And uh, they're milking Manchester United for €160 million Euros for the transfers of Anthony and Lisandro Martinez. And thankfully, Manchester United paid those transfer fees before the pound collapsed. So,
1: Wasn't Overmars? didn't he go to Antwerp? He went to Antwerp, and, yeah. And what did the team say then in a the statement? They said... I think they said he,
0: uh, he's put it behind him or something.
1: Yeah. No, they said he. Yeah, he he shares our norms and values. Yeah. Yes. That's that's what they said. Yeah, but then uh, later they said that they had communicated. Uh,
0: they communicated badly. Badly. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is very. Yes. Yeah, so they said they made a crucial error in, the, um, yeah, in their announcement. Uh, yeah. Because uh, they the, 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 they failed to say anything at all about uh, how they're going to uh, maintain a safe working environment. And, um, yeah, but that, that kind of uh, qualifying statement only came after they'd lost a couple of sponsors, I think. Uh, so the two. Oh, yeah, that's right. Members. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, but but there is another incident with uh, little birds and, uh, and and cyclists again, but this time in Australia, right? Yeah,
0: and another um, scandal involving a cyclist getting into a flap um, in Sydney where Dutch cyclist Mathieu van der Poel dropped out of the World Road Race Championships. Um, he's, he After about 30 kilometers, he felt a bit tired. And it turned out the reason he was tired that he's, was he'd been up all night. Uh, firstly, uh, having a, 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 um, because he was being kept awake by two teenage girls who were running up and down his hotel um, c- the corridor of his hotel and um, knocking on his door um, and uh, Van der Poel, the men went outside to confront them um, and uh, it all in his own words went badly wrong um, so <laughs> um, first of all I think he, he tried to deny it was anything serious and he said he hadn't touched the girls he just uh, kind of shouted at them but of course there was video footage and it all came out Um the video footage showed that he pinned one of the girls against a wall. Um, she suffered a graze to her elbow. She ended up having to go to hospital, though thankfully she wasn't badly injured. Um, but that was kind of how it came out. One of her parents had to take her to hospital. So Vanderpool ended up being. Um, and, and the video footage also showed he shouted at them, You can't spend three fucking hours knocking on my door. So yeah, given that the the girl these girls were fourteen and twelve years old, and they were being you know, confronted in a hotel corridor by a yeah, but but by a professional athlete, it must have been pretty pretty alarming for them. Oh. Um, so the founder pool then spent the rest of the night, of course, being interrogated by the police after the uh, girl's parent phoned the police. Um, and, uh, he did eventually, um, show a bit more contrition when he was uh, interviewed at the airport. Um, and he said, I should have phoned reception, but it was very late and I wanted to sleep. So I tried to sort it out myself and it went very badly wrong. So I think Vanderpool is now being immediately being recruited by the RfM to mastermind the latest <laughs> coronavirus pandemic response. But um, well by that time, yeah. uh, he'd uh, been uh, yeah um, uh, charged by the police. He'd been taken to court and fined fifteen hundred Australian dollars and order to leave the country um, early in disgrace. Uh, so that was the end of the road race championships for him.
1: Yeah, we can. Uh, it's another Dutch champion who was born in Belgium. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, we shall, we shall call him a Belgian cyclist uh, whenever he's involved in such a scandal. Uh, yeah, yeah, again, we should. I think. Really.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, uh, this weekend uh, the, the the Belgian racing driver uh, will, will be officially promoted to Dutch racing driver, won't he? Because uh, Verstappen could win the uh, the World Formula One Championship this weekend.
1: There is a mathematical Singapore. possibility that he will. Uh, yeah. I, I believe it. Inv- it, it, it requires uh, uh, Charles Leclerc to retire or something like that. All oh, uh, right. And and Lewis Hamilton to to win zero points again, something like that. So it, it, there is a possibility, but uh, uh, it could, might as well be that uh, that we need to uh, wait another race right. for that.
0: Okay, so we'll hold off for that. Hold, hold, so we won't open the orange champagne just yet.
1: No, not yeah. yet. Yeah.
0: Well that's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes and you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and you can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnews.nl and earn yourself a free paid for shout out uh, and a chance to ask us a question. My thanks to Peters. I'm Gordon Darroch and we'll be back next week. <laughs>